I'll take it. Well, welcome to Church on the Hill. We're so glad you're all here. Um, I do want to just say on that food thing, first of all, this week we're going to have a salad bar, chicken and beef salad. We're just salads. Uh, so come out Wednesday night at 6 o'clock. Um, that whole thing of me preparing the fried chicken, I've never made fried chicken in my life. But um, Carl and his team, I do find myself almost every Wednesday morning in there doing something, whether it's just going and picking up items, or sometimes I've got, he's let, Carl's let me prepare a few things. <laughs> um, but there's something incredibly biblical that happens to me when I'm in there doing that. There's something about preparing the table um, for the body and for the church. And even though it's very simple, I'm not doing anything complex. It's just breaking eggs, stirring, or just there is something that's happening um, with the preparing of the food, it's like preparing a sermon. It is preparing the food for the body. And I'm not saying that to toot my horn. Believe me, I am no cook. Uh, but there is something stirring around eating. And we're at a point having these Wednesday night meals where we've kind of plateaued. And, you know, we're, I'm kind of stuck thinking, what are we going to do? But I believe that that whole word is that we need to be gathering together to fellowship. The food's nothing special, even though it's great. Carl does a great job for $3, you get a great meal. But it's not about the meal. It's about us getting together. And what's funny is once everybody gets in there, I have a hard time getting them out to get into the class. We do a small group, it's very short. But I'm usually having to kind of say, hey, stop eating and move over here because we've got another thing to do. And I don't know that that's the most important thing. I kind of think sitting around that table and fellowshipping and getting to share your heart with one another is so vital. So I want to encourage you, if you've never come out on Wednesday nights, come out and engage. Get in the family room. This right here is not necessarily a family room setting. This is more of a luxury setting. You're facing me, I'm talking, you're hearing. There's not a lot of interaction. We get five minutes of interaction during what we call meet and greet. But what we're talking about is a pillar of the church, which is fellowship. And there's safety in fellowship. If we will confess our sins one to another, if we will get together, He is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and that we not break fellowship. The only way that I'm in the light is that I'm in fellowship. That's one way that we get our stuff into light is by fellowship. If we're not in fellowship, it's easy to keep things in the dark. And church, we're not about to start going through your closet. I don't want to go through your closet. Do you hear me? But the things that you need to talk about, we need to, we need to let the Lord have a chance at them. So I want to encourage you, Wednesday nights, uh, 6 o'clock, we're out by 7.30. And it's good. I, uh, John uh, Saka uh, and I lead a, just a little acoustic worship. Jeff Plant's been bringing the word for the last probably six months, three to six months. And it's just awesome. So I want to encourage you, come on Wednesday nights and be a part of what we're doing. All right, Ephesians chapter 6. Let's dive in. Let's, let's get going. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. You guys that are getting beat every time you turn around, just getting beat to death, just, just getting out and struggling and feel like you're losing, be strong 
in the Lord and in His mighty power. You're weak on your own. We need to make a change. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies, all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, because of what we're fighting, put on every piece, every piece of God's armor, so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle... You will be standing firm. Stand your ground. You, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. That's what we're talking about today, is the breastplate of righteousness. I believe that so many of us here think we're playing on a playground, but we're not. We're playing on a battlefield. And these enemies that we face are mighty. They're strong. But I want to try to remind you of what I believe Satan's strategy is. It's clear. And it is to make sin attractive to us. And then what he wants to do in the process of sinning is to break our fellowship with God. He wants to break our fellowship with God. And how he does that is by allowing sin to come in and us getting out of the will of God, out of the plan of God, but also to break fellowship with other believers. You know, if I'm hanging out with someone, another believer that's really has the ability and the willingness to speak into my life, if they see something wrong with me, they're going to tell me. The problem is I know that and sometimes I will avoid that person because I know they're going to point it out. And I don't want them to. I'm pretty happy right where I am. Can anybody relate? That's why we must get together. I know that there are some people that when I sit down to lunch, they're going to start asking me questions and they're going to get to my issues, which needs to be done. I need help. Most of the time left on my own, I struggle. But when I'm surrounded by others, it says that when there's a multitude of counsel, we win. But there are ways that seem right to a man that lead to death. When left on my own, I struggle. Cutting off fellowship with God and with man. Do you remember the story, the legend about Queen Helen who was captured, who was captured by the people of Troy? You remember the Trojan horse story? The Greeks tried to overcome Troy for about 10 years and they couldn't do it. They couldn't capture the city, so they came up with a very ingenious plan to take this big wooden horse and give it to these people. Just said, this is our gift, not knowing that they had stored all these soldiers up in that big wooden horse. So that when the people received this gift into the city, all of a sudden, havoc and all these soldiers came out of that wooden horse and captured Troy. The city was captured. You and I, we have a lot of enemies, but I want to talk about two enemies today, and that is the enemy within our heart, what I want to call the flesh. 
It says that Jesus said that out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, thefts, and covetousness. All the different sins of the world exist in seed form within our hearts. That's the enemy within. But there is also an enemy without, and that is Satan. And what he wants to do, what he wants the enemy within us to do is to open the gate so that he can come in and be in cahoots with the enemy that's within. And of course, in an extreme case, this eventually becomes satanic um, possession. We become possessed. Let me give you an example. Judas in in, uh, John chapter 13. It says that Judas decided to betray Christ. There they are in the upper room, and Jesus Jesus says, one of you are going to betray me. And remember it says, and Judas left, and Satan entered into him. So I I, I want you to get a picture here. When Judas was in the upper room... Satan wasn't in him. Right? It says that Judas left and Satan entered him. So Judas was already fighting something beforehand. And I believe it's the flesh. Judas was over the money. How many of us know we struggle with money? I don't mean you struggle paying your bills. You struggle with your thoughts about money. And here's Judas. And it says... Jesus says someone's going to betray, and Judas left, and Satan entered. He had already made the decision that he was going to betray Christ, but the enemy within opened the gates to the enemy without, and the enemy without came in, and Judas goes down into history as doing one of the most terrible things ever. And that's our struggle too. The nature of the battle, remember, it says in Ephesians Ephesians 6 that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age. We are battling real things, real things that are so strong and will take us out. Then it says, after saying, these are the enemies that you face, it says, therefore, Stand. Therefore, stand. In the last message we just talked about, last week we talked about the belt of truth. We must begin our stance on truth. That part has to, I believe, has to be first. It has to be the word. It has to be based on truth. If we're not standing on truth, we can never get a strong foothold. How many of you know that lies and untruths are slippery slopes? We must be standing on truth. So to talk about righteousness, instead of Ephesians 6, I want to go to the book of Romans and to look at two different types of righteousness and how we can apply that to us today to transform us, not just for today, not just for next week, but for the rest of our life. And be able to apply this every single day. Romans chapter 10. The Apostle Paul talks about two different kinds of righteousness. Let's look at that. 10 chapter 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. 
Notice the contrast between their own righteousness and God's righteousness. And that's where we're going to begin today, to talk about human righteousness. Human righteousness is kind of a decision to be religious. It's the decision to do whatever you feel like is the right thing to do. So you've got to be disciplined. You've got to be able to do it yourself. You've got to do everything within your power to meet those rules. Or can I just say what's right and what you are determining to be right? How many of you know that our determination of right and God's determination of right aren't usually equal? Maybe we're close, but we're not quite there. Talking about human righteousness and God's righteousness. You go to church, you attend service, uh, you go to the church functions, you even go out to to good stuff that's going on in the community, it is your attempt to be a good person. Have you ever asked somebody, if they died, where were they going? And they feel like they're going to heaven, and you say, why? And they say, because I'm a good person. It's a pretty common answer. If you're told that these are the rules, you obey the rules. You worship according to the way that you were brought up to worship. And that would be true in any religion of the world. And that kind of righteousness does not attain God's righteousness. It's not the righteousness that will fight off the fiery darts of the wicked. Because all human righteousness is tainted. All. All human righteousness. Unfortunately, so many times when we're trying to do the right thing, our motive is messed up. We do things with mixed motives, always kind of hoping that somebody sees what it is that we did. Hey, Carl, did you see all this food I prepared this morning? Didn't I do good? Wasn't that awesome? I broke a hundred eggs. He taught me how to break an egg with one hand. He He teaches me a lot. He's a great teacher. He's a great cook. But I try hard Really, I do it on purpose. I don't want to tell anybody what I've cooked because there could be some repercussions to go along with that. (laughs) There are times, though, that I want people to see what I've done. I've got a 13.1 sticker on the back of my car. I wanted the 26.2. I was supposed to run it yesterday, but I didn't. Miss Debbie Holmes sent me a text saying, hey, I'm praying for your run, and I'm like, Debbie. I had, I had bitter things going through my head, not over Debbie, but man, I got injured and I couldn't finish. Just, wham, call the ambulance. Yeah. But we do things with the wrong motive so, so many times. But I want you to know there is a huge difference, this chasm unreachable, unhumanly reachable between God's righteousness and man's righteousness. Because I want to emphasize that if you're going to stand on the basis of your own record in God's presence, you're going to be blown away. You'll be rejected because human righteousness does not attain 
Christ's righteousness. This is what happens. Satan comes to us, and he loves to accuse. He loves to remind us about our past. So he comes in and reminds us and says, so you're a Christian. Look at what you've done. As a matter of fact, if you think that God still loves you and cares about you, how could you honestly think that with what you've done? And look at what all you've done. God's so mad at you, you might as well just walk away from him. That's what Satan says. What do we say if we're thinking in terms of human righteousness? Wait a minute. I'm not bad. I'm a good person. I go to church each week. I tithe. I go to Sunday school. When they have a function, I go. I do good things. Overall, I'm pretty good. I'm not a bad person. And the devil eats you for lunch. He loves it because human righteousness cannot withstand the fiery darts of the wicked one. Human righteousness will never buy us forgiveness from God. It will not buy the protection that God needs to give us. Human righteousness is weak and it's the wrong kind. And it will never give you the status that you need with God. If I were to add a million apples, if I were to have a million apples and add them all together, I would never get an orange. Never. Take all the human righteousness that has ever been performed, gather it all together into one bundle, it will never equate to one ounce of God's righteousness. You can't do it. You know, so much, so much with my preaching, I'm always talking about how we have a part to do. We have a part to do. We have a part to do in our walking out our salvation, and we must do that part. But that's not what I'm talking about today. This part, the righteousness of Christ, the breastplate of righteousness, the, tr- the only way to truly be cleansed by the blood of Jesus and be washed clean of your past and of your sin, you can't do anything to attain that. I'm going to show you how you can, how you can get it. Romans chapter 1, Paul. In Romans chapter 1, Paul proves that the pagans are sinners. In Romans chapter 2, he talks about the Jews who were self-righteous, who had their own righteousness and were sinners too. So in Romans 3, verse 19, look what he says. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped And the whole world, the whole world may be held accountable to God. Paul says, look, don't depend on human righteousness because in God's presence, your mouth is going to be stopped and you'll have nothing to say because your righteousness is unacceptable. But the next verse says, for by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Do you know what the law does? The law tells you what you did wrong. The speed limit sign out here on 111 tells you how fast you can go. It does not have any power to make you do that. 
it just identifies what you should drive, how you should drive. And by the way, drive that. Drive that. It's there for your safety. But by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. By trying to do your human stuff, you will never be justified. Never. Laws do have benefits, and they remind us that we're sinners. When we see that we are sinners and that there's hope for us, but the more righteousness we perceive ourselves to be, the less likely we see the need for God. When we start to try to do our own human righteousness, we start to feel good about ourselves and we start to think, I don't need God. Do you see how it all works against us? That's why self-righteousness is so deceptive. The more of it you have, the less of God's righteousness you think you need. But let's go one more step farther. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him without keeping the requirements of the law as we were promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Now we're about to have a good get up and shout scripture. But what's so good about this here is if we could have kept the law, we could have been saved. If we could have kept the whole law. The thing is, all it takes is one breakage of it to disqualify you. If you could have somehow kept all the law, and I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments. If you go read the Word, there's more than the Ten Commandments in the law. If you could have kept it all, Christ wouldn't have needed to die. But you can't. And once you break it, once it's broke for good, you can't repair it. But look what's been said here. God has shown us a way to be made right with Him, even though I know you can't keep the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Let's go one more step. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. That is, that is so awesome. Yes. Why? Because you think you're that one. You think you're that one. That is Satan trying to keep fellowship broken. And God saying, no, I know who you are. I was there when you were born. I breathed life into you. You're only alive because of our Creator. He had you written about before you were ever thought about. He knew the beginning and the end of your days. He knew everything that you would ever do. And even knowing everything that you would do and think about and mess up, He sent His Son to shed His blood to pay for you. Whether you're a believer or not, everyone here today, God knew from beginning to end of you. He knew everything about you. He knows everything that's going to happen from here on forward. 
He knows it all. Even so, He paid for you. And all you have to do is believe. To be equipped with the righteousness of Christ, all it takes is your belief. Now, we're going to talk about next week what this does for us. But all it takes is your belief. And it's not just a saying, oh, I believe. There's a difference in you just saying it and you living it. There's a difference. Faith is is measurable. God can look at you and see the faith that you're using. We must have faith in Jesus. When we have faith in Jesus, all of a sudden a shield gets put on us, not a shield, a breastplate gets put on us that cannot be penetrated. All of our own righteousness is a filthy rags. But the righteousness of Christ defeats every enemy. The righteousness of God. Imagine if you were walking around the earth today with the righteousness of God. Obviously, God would accept you. But think about what effect the enemy would have over you. I want you to know that the, when you get equipped with the righteousness of Christ, it is an attribute of God. Did you know that? That you're being equipped with an attribute of God. God is holy. He is just. He is loving. But He is righteous. All His acts are good and pure, honest and right. And the good news is... Through Jesus Christ, we get this quality of righteousness credited to us as sinners, even though we are imperfect in our own lives and in our own experiences. That is the good news of the gospel. We are equipped with Him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Today, it may just blow you away. This may be too much to to take. Start walking with the Lord. He will start confirming His Word in your heart. This stuff, this stuff about salvation and about the Holy Spirit and about walking with the Lord in power and in might, this may be complete new to you. That's fine. Start walking. It will start… This kingdom world will start to make more sense than the natural world. But you have to start walking. Jesus got what He didn't deserve, namely our sin, and we get what we don't deserve, His righteousness. That is this great exchange that happened on the cross. I'm going to close with this statement. There are some theologians who says, well, it's immoral for God to punish someone who is innocent. Now, don't run out of the church when I make this statement. Hang in there with me. Jesus wasn't innocent. He went to the cross with my sin. Now, He was a man without sin, but when He hung on that cross, He was no longer innocent. 
He now held my sin on that cross for me. He became guilty so that I might be, be declared righteous. Now, I'm applying that to me because you should apply that to you. He is talking about you by name. I am not special because I'm a pastor. I have been paid for by the blood of Jesus, and I have accepted it, and I have received it, and I walk in faith in Jesus. Because I do that, I'm covered in the righteousness of Christ. I still fall down. I still make mistakes. But He has made a way for those that break the law to be able to come back to Him and be made righteous again. Because I fall down doesn't make me a failure. It makes me human. It's just an identification that, hey, Paul, you're not Jesus. Oh, yeah. Then what do I do? You get up. You go back to the cross and you repent. And you get up and you turn the other direction. And I leave that mess behind me. And I start walking again in the righteousness of Christ. Will you make a change? Faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. Your belief, it just has to start with a small mustard seed size. Just a little. Just a decision to say, okay, I'm going to start turning. And we want to walk with you. We as a church body, a church family, want to walk with you. And sit around the dinner table and talk through the challenges and say, hey, this is how we walk through this. What have you been through? Oh my gosh, so is this family. Let's get together and let's talk through this because you can make it. Your life isn't over. And there's victory. There's victory for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's stand up together.